0: What's going on, everybody, to the Dogs Basketball Podcast? Here we are on this Thursday, the day before we hit the Paradise Jam. Running tomorrow, I am your host, Nick Malone, joined by my co-host, Noah Lurch. Noah, it's a great tournament we're in here, and it looks like the players are already having a good time.
1: Yeah, well, this morning they went live. I think JD went live on his story, and they have posted a couple stories. Yeah, they've had... It's it's a great time to enjoy yourself, but we know that Marcus mass tweeted it's a business trip, but it's it's okay to enjoy yourself a little bit. Exactly, because
0: we were working. You sent me that JD was live on his Instagram. Yeah, with them on the boat, and they all had uh, it was an incredible scenery there, as expected. And they were all on a boat, and uh, you're right. Marcus said that definitely a business trip. Peg Banks was there yesterday. We saw. Uh, Todd said today that he was headed there. Mike Reese is there, obviously, uh, looking like some really nice restaurants and stuff. Overall, a great thing, because we thought about it. As soon as we knew about it, we said, well, it would be great to go to that. Uh, but obviously, we wouldn't be able to. But yeah, some of these pictures Mike has on here are incredible. So yeah, they were on that doing that today. Before the big game tomorrow, we will get to at the end of it. So good to see them having fun. But Noah, let, let's kick off with some different things, some big news arriving in the last couple days. We'll start out with the one that kicked off uh, or happened and was announced yesterday. Now, as we know, Jeff Hansen, the swimming coach, because we talked, we're, the reason why we're talking about this is obviously is not basketball, but it relates to the program or it relates to athletics in general. And we talked about it previously. Now, it was announced that Jeff Hansen yesterday got acquitted, which means that he that it came out that it was false accusations against him. And as we know, it uh, came out that two former swimmers, two anonymous athletes, shared details with the DE about alleged abuse and NCAA violations by Hanson Noah. This was kind of shocking because we actually were talking about this some point yesterday before this got announced at night or so about like, well, I wonder why nothing's happening to him. But this is this is crazy happening that Because we said, how is he going to get off the hook? Well, Noah founds out that he apparently didn't do it all.
1: Yeah, it's uh, really shocking that what's happened and uh, um, we understand the the soccer coach was let go after he was put on leave. And and it's kind of shocking that or strange, I should say, that uh, during this investigation, he didn't get put on any kind of leave. I feel like you want him away from things where you can investigate stuff or something like that. But yeah, it's it's strange that uh these multiple multiple people would put these allegations out for no reason and uh now nothing's happened.
0: Yeah, and it was strange that Graham Williams got canned because we just correlated at the time. Do we know if that's even correlated at
1: all or we just no, we just assume? I as it is not, strange. As yeah, it's strange at the same time it happened, but um there's no dots connecting. No, and the fact that they
0: both coach women's you know, sports, and maybe there's some correlation there. It is just weird how he would randomly – I mean, their season probably – is their season still going?
1: Uh, I believe so, maybe. Because we know what's been – yeah, we
0: know what's been happening, but it was like before or right at the beginning of their season whenever he, like, officially got canned, and if something was announced in the last couple days. But, yeah, who knows there, but the Slug Athletics announced and had a statement – university's Title IX office completed a thorough investigation into allegations of inappropriate behavior by Coach Hansen and determined them to be substantiated, said Matt Kupec. So this is kind of crazy because we remember in October 2020, an article that says multiple athletes met with the school's equity and compliance office and Liz Jarnigan, who we wanted to get to here, to discuss the allegations, but no corrective actions were taken, the athletes told the DE. And no, well, that's what makes us think about Liz Jarnikin right away. She got canned right away, you know, for suspicion. Obviously, when it was talked about and nothing was done before anything was fully announced, that's where she probably did deserve because she hit it regardless of whether it was true and nobody knew it at the time. It's kind of sad that, you know, you don't yeah, like administrative leave or something instead of just firing somebody on the spot and then we know about the bio that had to happen. So that was that was kind of rough.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely weird. I think uh, maybe she took what I told you yesterday that she probably took too long to look into this stuff, and then she hired that compliance offer who had a show cause, so that doesn't help her either way. And uh, you could almost say she was almost thrown into this over over her head a little bit maybe. But, yeah, like I said, I, in my opinion, I think maybe Chancellor Lane, that's what we heard was they didn't see eye to eye, and I think maybe he just used this combination of things to – get her out of his hair. Well, that's what I think. Yeah, I think
0: there's definitely some potential for that. We know Liz has done a great job, as we've said before, and she was a great person. It's one of those things where we say, you know, you never know how a person really is if they act a certain way to the media or the community, but then obviously they hide stuff like Liz did, and you're right. I think Lane, because we all know he's relatively new and we questioned because this in October 2020 and all this meetings that happened you would think the chancellor would be involved <clears throat> if the AD is and a lot of important people so we we're questioning at the time whether he would have known about it or not but obviously he was blindsided and made that move um yeah you're right and Matt Quebec's done a good job but Liz did do a great job it's unfortunate how it all played out especially with it coming out that it pretty much didn't happen so I don't know what those two athletes had against Hanson or I, I really don't know uh, it, it's kind of all strange. And then coming out yesterday, it was ironic that we were just talking about it. So, uh, yeah, overall, it's unfortunate it was a bad look for the program and athletics uh, at the time. But I guess they just swept it under the rug in terms of obviously knowing nothing happened to it. So I guess it doesn't make us look as bad, but it did happen. So overall, it's unfortunate. So that, those are our thoughts on that. Now I know no, more big news that came out the other day. We know Belmont was coming in, making the 11, 11 teams, and we were thinking, oh, who could be the 12th team? We've talked about it multiple, multiple times. No one, obviously, kind of blindsided everybody that uh, it was announced that Loyola's leaving next year for the A-10.
1: Yeah, it came out of nowhere. Uh, we didn't think um, this would happen, but um, overall it kind of makes sense. But, uh, yeah, it's really, really strange about uh, – they're going to their private school, so they're going to join a lot of other private schools. And uh, after nine years, they're going to join the Atlantic 10, and that's a really good really good conference. And uh, yeah, they did not hesitate to jump to the A-10, and uh, I believe that makes it 15 members now in the A-10. So um, going in, the travel costs will go up, but uh, yeah, that's an incredible conference to compete in, a multi-bid league every year, so uh, interesting to see how they do in the future
0: yeah and we know that a lot of A10 teams are in the Midwest like SLU or Dayton but then you got obviously you go to the east with all the like Rhode Islands of the world yeah there are so many teams even going down to be like over to BCU like there are quality programs in that conference for sure and it's one of those typical moves that you know if you have success which we thought it was honestly inevitable at some point We just hadn't heard any rumblings. I think over time if we heard rumblings, there was potential. I think Loyola, obviously, it it did this whole thing end with their success they had last year and getting to the Sweet 16. Uh, So, yeah, like we said, it seemed inevitable with the success because we know, obviously, we've seen this before with teams leaving the Valley. Uh, The statement from the Valley, uh, in its 115-year history, the MVC has undergone many changes in membership. The Valley will continue to remain proactive, and progressive as we navigate the current collegiate environment, said Commissioner Jeff Jackson. Loyola Chicago has been a valued member of the MVC, and we wish Loyola all the best as it begins the next chapter. Uh, so yeah, Noah, that also adds in the A-10. Uh, what's, it's about even on like a map ge- geographically with SLU. But now Noah A-10 gets really in markets, as we've talked about, it's been a huge thing. Now they get Chicago
1: yeah that's big time for them in the Atlantic 10 because uh they know they have St. Louis they know they have others but uh yeah they get a lot across and a lot of those private schools in the A-10 so that's just another private school to add so yeah it's interesting to see what happens um that's a really good conference with Rhode Island, SLU, St. Bonaventure, Davidson and others so that Interesting to see. We know what kind of team Loyola has been and what they've created now with the new man under helm, and it looks like they haven't missed a beat with that guy at the helm. So, interesting to see.
0: Yeah, and the fact that they're in that conference now, it'll just even more improve. Because we know they're going to have a solid year this year. They're the team to beat uh, to a lot of people and to us, even four games in. So, uh, they will keep building on this, and they'll keep getting recruits as they have been, going to a better conference for sure. And, obviously, we know Creighton left for the Big East. Wichita left for the American, which the Americans almost in shambles at this point, which tall might have to find somewhere else at some point. Uh, but it is strange because obviously the A ten is ahead or above the MVC, and you see those other teams that left for bigger conferences at the time. But that's how the A ten is looked or is as is looked at as as a really nice conference, and they get St. Bonaventure is really, really good. Slews made the tournament. So that is a top notch and it, it's it is a jump. And uh yeah, it did come out of nowhere for sure uh, and so they're gonna they're gonna beat out beat up on all of us this year and then go over there, and then we get Belmont, which Belmont definitely we love having them, and we thought noah since this since they will leave, and Belmont will make it uh ten that we think maybe we're probably not gonna add anybody else right now
1: anyway, yeah, the rumor is that they're looking to add maybe up to thir- up to thirteen now since Loyola is gonna leave, so um, you don't look to replace, you look to reload, so would not mind that. There's been a lot of teams thrown around. The main one's Murray State. Um, would not mind that at all to add them because we know the OVC is in shambles almost right now. so uh, be interesting to see what happens. Um, we know it starts next July and Belmont's coming in, Will is leaving. So interesting to see what happens by next July.
0: Yeah, and I would say that if we knew about thirteen teams even for next year, which I'm not sure we would we would be knowing about a lot more. Because, yeah, if teams start next July, that's in less than a year or so, half a year almost. So
1: Talks are in. Apparently talks are happening right now. So um, we know that one Kentucky Sports Radio guy said, what, almost a month ago now that Murray was coming or something like that. But you have to seen it, but we know things like this Loyola thing. We didn't hear any rumbling, so things can happen quickly.
0: Exactly. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting because yeah, Murray is the favorite we do think, and then we mentioned Milwaukee, who's actually getting a chance to play Florida tonight, and we know the player that they have, Patrick Baldwin, that you know they can they can start getting more recruits, knowing that he's there, and maybe have a good season and build off it because I like them with that market in Milwaukee. No one we mentioned because we had just a huge conversation when this came out about our situation, even budget wise and success wise, that we sometimes wonder like would whatever let's say SIU was just in a different conference and, and the NBC was adding that we think SIU wouldn't be an option because teams look at, look at it as a budget and success kind of thing that maybe SIU wouldn't even be able to get in like the Valley. So we're, we're glad that obviously we're in it because we're not sure if we'd be able to get in it if we were on the outside.
1: Yeah. We're lucky that we're a long time member. So is a lot of other teams. Uh um They're lucky to, that we're in this conference because I'd say half the league ain't getting an invite if this was – if we weren't in this conference. So um, teams like you and I, Evansville, we're lucky we've been here a while. Exactly. And uh, you're right. We've been here for – it's not it said, 115
0: years. So around that, we know teams like Tulsa have been in the NBC before and stuff like that. So a lot of flip-flopping. And, yeah, because there's a lot of conference realignment, we'll be seeing a lot more teams in the near future. So, like we said, we're glad to have Belmont with Nashville. Uh cannot wait for that. And Loyola leaving, like we said, it was inevitable. So uh they will have success definitely in the A ten. So of course that was, you know, some huge news along with the uh thing with Jeff Hansen, Uh so we wanted to cover those and then Noah, uh it was announced the other day about this one million
1: dollar scholarship. I had a link here. What do you know about this before I bring it up here? Yeah, I'm not sure. I know a lot about it. Uh not sure exactly how that thing works but uh he resides in uh forget his name now uh james, james rosser yeah dr james rosser is uh east st louis uh he lives up in east st louis or raised in east st louis but he says uh a million dollar scholar basketball scholarship i'm not how that don't know how that works in uh into the scholarship fund, but I'm sure it just goes into the athletics program and budget-wise, so that's a big, big, big donation by him. Enormous, and it said he came to SAU
0: on a basketball scholarship back in the day. He was an honor student and earned degrees in health education and microbiology. Now he's honoring that experience by establishing that million-dollar scholarship for Saluki men's basketball. Yeah, it's the single largest endowed scholarship for any Saluki athletics program. Uh, Brian said, "Quote: I want to help lift men's basketball back to where it should be and give." Or sorry, Rosser said this about it. And he said he wanted to help Coach Mullins uh, a real leg up. Uh, we know Brian talked about it, quoted I think the tweets a couple of days ago. And he said, "In today's world, major revenue sports are attractive to prospective students." And he said again, "This scholarship is not about me. It's about the institution that inspired me to achieve. I want to inspire other people of modest means to create opportunity." for those who come after us. So yeah, exactly, we're still not sure. I'm sure we'll see more details along the way, but if it does help the program itself, obviously that is what we drastically need right now. So shout out to Dr. James Rosser, former alumni for uh, that honor and that uh, million dollar scholarship. Uh, So now no moving on here again, uh, we saw the other day, Aaron Cook, who we know is now at Georgia spent last year with almost undefeated Gonzaga. They said he reached 1,000 career points, and as we know, we were thinking of the math here, and he probably did about 800 points worth at SIU, and then he, he you know, he was a pivotal part for Gonzaga last year, one of the key bench members, and he was arguably the best player in the national championship. He had points from that season, and so far he's been doing pretty good for Georgia to get to that 1,000 career points. He's averaging 14 and 8 so far for Georgia, uh, so he's playing well there, Noah, and you just think back to – that he's still playing because we just remember obviously how much, how much would have changed Brian and the staff's first year. if Aaron didn't get hurt. Um, uh, who knows how that season plays out with Lance, obviously his emergence and us in general and how far we would go and vice versa. And he wouldn't be at the places he's at today. You know? So a thousand career points, uh, definitely a long time coming. It seems like it was about that time for Aaron.
1: Yeah, it, it's a long time coming. He's worked really hard. Uh, we're thankful for the years he put in here, and uh, I uh, brought it up here. He scored uh, 845 points. at would 845,
0: yeah. Which, and that's in about three and a half, three years and two games. So six games. Six games. Yeah, yeah. that's right. What six games? Not in. bad. Not at all. And we know, you know, when he was young, he was a he was a pivotal part of his freshman year, and then slowly but surely got added to the starting five, and then took off. And uh, definitely was an amazing player here. We miss him, but we know we're in a good place and that he's in a good place. So shout out to Aaron for the 1,000 career points. Now I know we know uh, Brian had a presser the other day, uh, opened stuff up and was asked about some things on Colorado. We'll get to him in a second uh, and then talk about the Virgin Islands. And, but his opening statement was, I'm very excited for this opportunity about going to the Virgin Islands. It's obviously the type of tournament we want to be playing in. Great teams, NCAA caliber teams, and we have a great challenge ahead of us Friday night, and so on. So, well, and he covered uh, defensive consistency, which, as we know, that'll be key going into this tournament. He said they've been really competitive. We've had two really good practices. I think we're trying to clean up a couple of things, get better with our ball pressure, get better with our shell defense on post defense. We faced two really, two really big guys in the first two games of the season, so trying to make it work a couple of things there every day. It's been the same emphasis in our program. But no, I think the biggest thing whenever he, he was asked about Trent again, he says, quote, he has not been able to practice. I'm not sure when he'll be back. We have practice later today, which this was on what? Monday, Tuesday? Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. 26, whatever day that was. Uh, he's been doing the treatments on his back, doing the rehab and feeling better since even Friday's game against Austin Peace. So we'll see how it goes this afternoon. We'll take it day by day in terms of how he'll be doing for Friday night's game. And I'm pretty sure Todd tweeted probably yesterday or something that Trent is doubtful. Whether that was, for, I think that was just for Friday night. He might play the rest of the way, and we know they'll be there for like four four days, starting tomorrow at least. Uh, so no, that's unfortunate, obviously, and it's it stinks because it's one of those that's not like anything but just like a sore back, and he can't escape it. So we talked about how we might need him, and but we might be fine without him. But that's unfortunate.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate, especially because. Uh... We know how much he uh, wants to play, and uh, with something like that, just um, really hard to find out. They they know what the problem is, and they know what what to do, but they still haven't got it done yet. And uh, yeah, it's one of those things. If he wakes up Friday, I guess, I guess he wakes up tomorrow and if he feels fine, he will test it out in warmups.
0: Yeah, and then we know about Anthony hurting his ankle warm up, so we were questioning. We've seen him warm up in the two or the three games. Or all three games, actually, sorry. And, uh, you know, it's like, well, they just do the typical stuff. So how are these dudes injuring themselves in the warm-ups? It's kind of weird. But, uh, yeah, and especially since we know that this came about before the season and he wasn't going to play all throughout, this has been the time that we would have needed him. But it's all fine. We'll definitely uh, be able to carry the load, we'd say. We'll get to uh, – and we were going to mention, I, I guess I was going to start out with the fact that we will cover – Definitely Colorado and Duquesne and Northeastern, the two teams we would play in our second game, and then whoever we play. So we're going to preview every single team in this podcast, and we won't have another one until uh, Tuesday, which we know we play on Monday too. So we'll we'll have a preview of everything, and we'll still tweet every single day. We'll just have a recap of the whole tournament in and of itself whenever they get back or the day after they're done playing the games. We want to get, we'll say that again at the end here. Cause it just hit me that we hadn't mentioned that yet. Um, uh, so yeah, definitely, uh, wish Trent was playing. If not, it's fine. Uh, <clears throat> Noah's it's Chris Cross's birthday. today. wanted to get that out there. <clears throat> so he's spending his birthday in the Virgin Islands. That's better than anybody else could have said. Uh, so shout out to Chris and that now know that segues us. Cause we didn't do it. We didn't mention the other Valley games that happened to that point about a week ago, almost. So, uh, it's been about a week since we mentioned them, whatever other Valley teams
1: doing? Yeah, ever since we have not gotten to that. But uh, last Friday night, um, going back to that, uh, Illinois State blew a 12-point halftime league on the road versus Eastern Michigan, uh double OT loss by 5, 103-98. So uh So Illinois State's turned out to be a lot better than we expected. Um, we knew they had a lot of athletes and guys, uh, guys like Antonio Reeves that can get the job and average 30 a game. Then uh, Indiana State went on the road at number 17 in the country. Purdue uh, did not have enough to match. I don't think anybody in the Valley has a big to guard any of their bigs. But uh, no. 92-67 loss. Um, then Saturday the 13th, um, a full-day Valley slate. Uh, Valpo lost an OT at home to UIC. Um, not a good loss there. Um, Loyola got a decent win over FGCU. Bradley with a bad home loss today. I know they didn't have a lot of their players, or a couple of their players. a Bad loss to Howard, even though Howard's undefeated. Then Evansville got a got to see uh, what uh, Belmont's all about. They went down to Nashville and got blown out. Then uh, almost (laughs) forty. Yeah. Then uh, Missouri State hosted Alabama State, um, won by eighteen. So the Bears bounced back after their opening loss to um semo then uh sunday indiana state hosted a non-d1 opponent one big so did northern iowa hosted a non-d1 and one big then uh the only then drake uh, hosted south dakota and won by uh 49 so uh big blowout win over south dakota um the no games monday then evansville won a non-d1 game barely by 11 then murray state uh we could that's a look forward for Illinois State? They they beat Illinois State by 12 at Illinois State. That's a could see that matchup in the future for twice a year. Then, uh, battle of the Unbeatens in Chicago. Um, Loyola blew out Chicago State, which is not, but Chicago State's rumored to go to the OVC, so that's uh, they can go ahead. Then Bradley wanted one won, beat, uh, Missouri t so we usually play them, usually beginning of the year, yeah. Then, uh, Last night was a big, big test, big test for the Valley. Uh, Northern Iowa went on the road at 16th ranked Arkansas, um, did all they could. Um, A.J. Green still not playing well. Um, Trey Burhow, Nate Heisey, really good games, but not enough to beat a team like that on the road in the SEC environment. No, they only lost by 13. I remember I didn't
0: watch any of the game. I know you were keeping up with it big time and, uh they hit a three. A.J. hit a three to have them in the lead with, like, three minutes left, and then they ended up escaping. But uh, definitely a great effort on the road against a team like that. Definitely a great effort, especially with the season they started out with. That was a good – and you're right, A.J. hasn't gotten going, so maybe they'll kick it in gear
1: once he does. Yeah, he ended up with 16, but he shot six of 21, four, 13 from three. But uh, a big big goose egg for Austin Five. really surprising. Not sure what Arkansas's bigs look like. Zero points, actually. Yeah, happen. zero points, three rebounds, two assists. He only um, shot three times. It was even, he, he had no fouls. No fouls. So Wow. Um, Yeah, but uh, Noah, Cardle, Noah Carter off the bench, and Bowen Bourne's Boenborn. getting back. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, He still hasn't done anything, but he's getting back from injury. Then uh, Valpo lost by 14 on the road to Stanford. Then the Missouri State got a big win at Sam Houston. That could be a football matchup later in the year. And today, the only game, Indiana State – and the Myrtle Beach Invitational is a five-point underdog against Old Dominion. It's just crazy seeing that we've seen Indiana State on here the
0: last week so many times, and we've only played two games. And all these other teams are about to play their fourth. It sucks that we had like a, almost a week stretch. But yeah, definitely some good and some bad. Like we said, Loyola, the soon-to-be leaving, has just dominated everybody in sight. And a lot of other teams, like you said, Missouri State bounced back and Northern Iowa, a good fight.
1: Other than that, a lot of incons- inconsistencies. So uh, Then tomorrow in the uh, same tournament we're in, Bradley takes on Colorado State I at mean, noon, I believe.
0: Yeah, and, and Colorado State's an 11.5-point favorite, and we'll get to, we won't say it yet, our uh, spread for tomorrow night. I'm glad it's up because usually basketball does. Football is the only one that really doesn't the day before or the, usually does the day of. We'll get to that here in a second. Yeah, two really good Colorado teams that the Valley gets to play in that tournament. It'll be interesting. Those are two projected tournament teams. Uh, So yeah, cannot wait for that. Now, Noah, before we get into all the opponent previews, uh, Kyler met with Mike, I guess before they left, and uh, he was talking to Mike about uh, how much of a challenge it was facing marriage and facing Everett and having that big-time challenge to kick off the season. He said they were definitely a challenge. But they prepared him and the other bigs on the team moving forward for, you know, obviously the rest of the season. But again, playing the other Valley bigs that we know uh, will be a threat this year. He thinks he did well against Austin P., obviously. But then he said Little Rock, his fouls hurt him in that game. So he couldn't really comment on that, just some inconsistencies. But he said he got back on track against Austin P. And he was asked who the toughest uh, bigs, because he asked him about Everett and stuff, and who the toughest big he's faced. He said, What is it, Crutwig? And he ended up saying Crutwig, but he says he's had fits. Obviously, we know with Prim, and he said Fife, and everyone he mentioned about stuff that'll help him. Those first two games against those guys, he mentioned that all of those guys have been tough, and he did say that Crutwig was definitely the toughest he's faced because of his ability to pass and how slippery he is and everything. Uh, he mentioned how Javon Shaw has helped him big time because Mike asked him about what if he's like around 250 or whatever, and he said, Yeah, he had been was last year and I think he he said he was this year. But then he said, Well you look kind of slimmed down and he said, Yeah, Javon's helped me lose weight. He probably says he's around two forty five, two fifty still. But we know he's like six nine. So he said losing weight and helping and Javon's helped him be more lean and fit. Um and then he was asked what he's most improved on and what he likes the most of what he's been so far. He said his confidence. He said his confidence has definitely helped him improve or what he's improved on most. And then uh he needs to work on his free throws, though. He said that, you know, it's more of a mental side with that. And he said when Mike asked him about the fans being in there, and he said, yeah, because I haven't really faced college fans yet. So it's getting used to that, toning them out, not being nervous and confidently hitting free throws. He says he makes them a lot in practice, which obviously he says he makes them at a great clip in practice. It's just, you know, getting used to the fans back in. And But he also mentioned that we have great fans. When he was talking about college atmospheres, not really experiencing it yet. So that's great, giving a shout-out to our great fans. We hope uh, crowds keep being great the rest of the season. So a good interview with Kyler, uh, expecting big things from him tomorrow. We'll get to that here in a second. So now, Noah, yeah, here we are with the preview we mentioned. We're going to preview all the Paradise Jam opponents, but we'll start out with Colorado, who we play tomorrow. Let's jump into it,
1: Noah. Yeah, it's a uh, really, really good basketball team, um, coached by Ted or yeah Ted Boyle, or Ted, Ted Boyle. Um, They've done. He's done a great job. Um, they're coming off one of their best program program seasons in like in the last twenty four years. Uh, they lost a lot of players though. In that, in that, uh, from last year's team, like McKinley Wright, their main score. They bring back some. They bring back a couple guys, but they bring in some transfers. And uh, yeah, they're they're a really good basketball team. They're three and zero, I believe they were picked. I uh, have it here somewhere, if I can find it. It is. They were picked uh, sixth in the Pac-12 in the preseason poll, so that's mid-level pack. But usually, that's how many Pac-12 teams get in. So um, they beat Montana State, New Mexico, and Maine along the way already this season. Um, so um, tough test. A lot of length. A lot of athleticism. Led by uh, Keyshawn Bartholomew, Bar- Bartholomew, um, averaging 20 points a game. Then their center Evan Batty. He's six eight, 12 points, and six rebounds a game. Um, Clifford's a really good player. He's averaging ten points a game, and De Silva's a really good player. He's in their starting lineup, averaging six and three. Um, really big. That, that's their big man. So, uh, yeah, a lot of length. A lot of Jabari Walker's one to watch out for as well, averaging fifteen and eight. So a lot of talent on the team.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned six, and we know that the. Pac-12 has been great in the NCAA tournament. They had the most teams, I think, in it last year, and they had uh, most of their teams went deep. And we know they're pretty deep again this season. So that's really not that bad at all, being sixth. Uh, Via ESPN, they're projected to win 83% against us. And you mentioned all of that, and they do average average 90 points a game. They only allow about 71. They shoot 52% from the field. 43 rebounds per game, which is big because we only have 37. So that, and we'll get to that. That seems like the biggest thing in this game. We're about even with each other. They have 15 assists, we have 14. They average four blocks a game, so that's something also to keep be aware of where you're at, and obviously take smart shots uh, and help each other out on the floor of knowing obviously where the where their players are if they're coming from behind you and all the different guys, the stuff that typically happens on a basketball court with. You. Uh, talking to one another, and they have nine steals a game. No, I mean, you meant you just said the teams that they play, but they are definitely in the passing lanes, they're picking pockets. Nine that's got to be the highest in the country through three games. I mean, Nine steals a game that seems incredible. It's not good, that's not good for us the way we're turning exactly. And I could just see it now the first play of the game, or let, let's say they go down and score off the tip, and then we see a press right away, but that length. It'll be interesting, and I know hopefully Brian's preached nothing but the press and a lot of other things but the press because I'm sure they will see it. They know that we struggled with it for sure. Uh, So, yeah, definitely spread scoring, you said, length. Brian had a quote about Colorado attacks. Quote, they are a great offensive team. They're averaging 50 points in three games. They do a great job moving without the ball. And they play downhill constantly. Their spacing is really good, very challenging. So they put you in a lot of closeouts, take a lot of weak side help. So for us, we have to get back and transition. We can't be playing at a disadvantage all game. And we have to be disciplined when we do guard and guard without fouling. Show our hands, use our chest, jump second, don't go for the shot fakes, low post moves and make them make tough twos and tough threes. That's a lot to put on a plate, especially against a higher, you know, higher ranked or higher talented uh, opponent that seems like you have to play perfect basketball. No, it seems like you do, even though <clears throat> Colorado, and I don't
1: know if you said the ages of these guys, how relatively new are they on the team? Yeah, they got a couple guys that they've brought back. Like I mentioned, Evan Batty, he's a senior. Then um, they got a couple other guys that are seniors. Uh, Pat, I believe, uh, Parquette, he's a senior. He's one of their guards. Uh, They have kind of a guard-heavy lineup or guard-heavy team. But uh, they got a couple younger guys. Jabari Walker's only a sophomore. Um, Keyshawn Bartholomew mentioned he's only a sophomore. He's averaging, like I said, he's averaging twenty a game. They have a lot of sophomores, so they're pretty young. Um, But they got a couple older guys that get them in the right play and keep them guys. But uh, I believe they had the number one number one recruiting class last year in the Pac twelve, so uh, a lot of talent, a lot of young talent. But they got some veterans that lead the team the right way, and they're a very tough team. that's what I was going to say, because the only hope you would have of
0: not turning it over yourself is knowing that they are young, so they would be prone to turning it over Uh, anything that would obviously come with pulling off an upset, per se. Uh, So, yeah, definitely. um, We mentioned the key. Let's get into our keys of the game, Noah, because we kind of talked about that, uh, and we'll just come up with them because some of them are kind of obvious, and we agree on some. I didn't have them written down, but we have an idea. We could definitely say that something, like we said, for football, we did it for football and basketball. When those keys do a game, we will always say what the keys were and the, and the recap of if we met those keys. And we'll do that again here. And we'll kind of predict what his will be like for tomorrow and kind of have our own and what we know will be important tomorrow. No, we could definitely say one will be rebounding. We mentioned how well they are and how athletic they are, uh, that rebounding, something about rebounding will be one of the keys.
1: Yeah, if you were to word it like Brian Mullins would probably say, I'd say uh, limit second chance points. Limit. That will, yeah.
0: Giving up offensive rebounds are the biggest thing. Defensive rebounds can win games, clearly, and Brian's preached that before. Everybody preaches that in basketball. If you don't want defensive rebound, you will not win. Um, we did a good job. Austin P., who thrashed us for eight offensive rebounds in the first half, we did a really good job in the second. To make good- uh adjustments, hopefully we can do that in this game, yeah rebounding second chance points, what else,
1: yeah, especially since they're on average they're out this season already they're out rebounding teams by nineteen rebounds a game i mean if they're they're starting six eight six seven, and six ten um we'll get into more of what we think we should start, but uh like this, with length sure. like that wow. and stuff like that, you cannot you cannot allow second chance opportunities because that just leads to um, they're going to hit threes off that pass out, or they're going to get easy buckets and they're going to blow you out. And
0: I think the biggest thing would be all, something in transition too, because if they get, they get their own defensive rebounds, they will push along with pressure on us. They will be all around the floor. Definitely transition would be key to stop and being our own being good in our own transition. Cause I don't know if we want to get in a half court. Well, we don't want to get in a transition game and match them athletically. So you got to like pick them apart in the second and the and half core, which I guess makes sense, but I don't even like, it- it's tough to gauge a team like this and what obviously to do well. Uh, so yeah, second chance points, rebounding, transition. If we could think of one more, what do you think it is?
1: Yeah, I would Execute. say. Execute. Yeah, I would <laughs> so say. Don't turn it over. Yeah, I'd say uh, another one is like take care of the ball or like uh, you're – we struggled with it last year and have along the way pretty much this year already. But three point three point defense—they're they're shooting forty six percent already from three this year in three games. So uh, you cannot allow them to get easy opportunities. That's uh, a lot of them maybe came off of offensive rebounds, but um, giving guys from at the Pac twelve level and the high major level open threes or something easy shots is can't happen.
0: I'd say play with poise. Brian has mentioned poise a whole lot this season, so I definitely will say that will be one. Yeah, just kind of playing under control. Don't They're going to get amped up because at the place they're at, let alone playing a team like this, you just have to manage your emotions. To start again. that's what I would tell the team, to just calm down and that's easier said than done, just telling them. And then when the, when the ball tips, it all changes from there on out. So we'll see how that goes. We mentioned there is a spread. Now let's jump into that. Noah, we were six-and-a-half point dogs. On a neutral court, which thinking about it, uh, that's not too bad. I mean, and that's uh, we think at the, right at this moment we're better than Bradley, just in terms of Bradley and how slowly they just got Vining back. We were gonna add that, which is key for them <clears throat> and how they've been so far. They're eleven and a half <clears throat> at the same place against Colorado State. So let's say Colorado State and Colorado are about even teams, I would say, but we are shorter uh dogs in this, literally. So That's not too bad, right? Minus six and a half, not bad at
1: all. No, it's not bad at all. I'd say that's pretty good. I thought it would be a little higher, but, yeah, that's not bad at all. It's probably – that shows you kind of maybe what Vegas – Has some respect for us. Yeah, maybe a little respect for us. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. We know uh, Colorado struggled a little bit against Montana and Montana State in the first game, but um, they've handled everybody else. It's all matter how comfortable you are through your first couple games and how they will be. I'm
0: sure they're looking past us in a way. They're looking at the other teams they get to play. We mentioned how the draw, that we have this draw, compared to like Duquesne or Northeastern get each other kind of deal. But, yeah, minus 6.5 and then a 136 over under. So now, Noah, let's jump into these picks. We only know about this one. We won't get picks for the other one. We'll just preview them. But the picks for this, Noah, you take in the minus or the plus and the over under what you got. I'll take the minus and I'll take the over. Yeah, especially since we mentioned, if you take an over, a, a, one team can have a lot of say in an over. And basketball, since that's really not that uh, high of a number, so it seems like a reasonable one. I will agree with you on both, uh, even though obviously a part of me wants to say plus six and a half because I mentioned before that you know it seems like a game that either you start out and you and you look like you're getting blown out, next thing you're down eight nothing. But I can also see it. I can see no one really ex- would expect us to win go in there and com- go in there and compete but not really to win i can see our group cuz i just think about the kentucky team and i know the kentucky game i know it's a whole new coach a whole different whatever but you go into a game like that playing like nothing to lose kind of even that was at kentucky that was crazy but playing like you got nothing to lose and show out and kind of go on your own little run to start the game and think people don't expect it like i can see something like that and obviously, they make adjustments throughout a game. And being in a neutral court, I think obviously helps us in a sense. So uh, yeah, that's how I would agree with you. Minus six and a half, and the over, because I think they will score a lot of points. And we know we have a quality defense. Uh, you know, it hasn't shown a hundred percent so far, but we know coming into the season and what we've had in the past. So hopefully, we can put up a fight in this game. Uh, they are one and two against the spread. We are one and one. So no, let's let's dive into these dogs of the game. So we know we had
1: some important ones. Yeah, there's a couple you could go with. Uh um, but I think rebounding is most important. So I'm gonna say JD Moula. For sure. Moula, yeah. Moula, you're right.
0: Moula. I uh, cause he he him and Cash let us in rebounds in the last game. Rebounding is the most vital thing outside of turning it over, which we have done. Uh I like that pick. Obviously, it has to happen. You can go with any of our bigs for sure. J.D., the most active ability to run the court. Kyler can do the same thing. J.D., I feel like, wouldn't be as overwhelmed. I think Kyler could be a little overwhelmed, especially to start this game. We'll see how the foul trouble plays for all these guys, all of our bigs. We mentioned Noah Scotty. You know, we, we talked about in the last pod the uh, redshirt rule, and it hasn't been announced yet. It seems like Emma foster Will, but we mentioned this is a game that Scotty can come in and foul somebody, and literally – because we might get in foul trouble scotty could be an option but we do not think they'll go that route it will ride or die with the main guys we have and what we will have the whole season i like your pick a lot I w- i was going to say cash because you know i feel like at the place he was at and the competition he's faced before where he's been that this is made for him in a way and the fact that he's obviously the most athletic and big player you know that can match their athleticism so i think If we didn't have that at all, we'd be screwed. I think a guy like Cash, even though it's one person, can make up for the loss of athleticism and equal it out and play that kind of style of basketball. Because, like I said, we've seen him do things so far that not everybody on our team can do athletically. So I think that'll play dividends. We mentioned Lance too. Lance being our second, arguably most athletic player on the team. That uh, you know, they obviously Lance can't go scoreless in the first half like he did. So consistency from Lance. From start to finish, Marcus as well. No, we mentioned Marcus, and we know he can can guard at times and how big he is, especially now. He can have some matchup problems against them.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, he struggled against the bigger guys. Uh, We've seen how we did against a guy like DeAntoni Gordon at Little Rock. Uh, they got two guys that size that can post in any of our guards or our bigger wings up. So it'll be interesting to see. But, uh, yeah, this is a game where um, your star players have to come and shine. That's what we're going to need them to do. We're, we rely on those two and scoring a lot. So, uh, yeah. But this is where this is where you're, uh we're not worried about those two getting their points. They, we're not, We know they're going to score. But this is where your third, fourth, and fifth guys show out. And uh, we know steven has been big. Uh, we we can rely on him to hit shots. But this is a game. Maybe you mentioned Cash as your dog of the game, but um, we, we saw him for two minutes in the. Uh, Austin awesome Peay game. This is a good scoring opportunity game that you need points off the bench from Ben Harvey. Um, I almost picked him as my dog at the game, but uh, not sure what the situation is there. If he'd say coach's decision or if he's he was feeling under the weather that night or whatever happened. Uh, yeah, this is where well, you need your bench to be good and you need your stars to be shine. I like that pick with Ben. Yeah, maybe he's looking for a bounce back because, yeah, we
0: didn't hear anything about his situation at all. And I wouldn't think it would be a benching. You can bench him against an Austin P. You wouldn't do that here, especially with no Trent Brown playing. Ben has to play, and you have to be at least nine deep uh, for sure. And you mentioned Steven. Yeah, Steven's got to stay his consistent self on both ends. Uh, overall, you could say in everybody's a dog. Everybody that will contribute in this game. And, yeah, you don't want to force Lance and Marcus. They, hopefully they don't force shots. Force them the ball to do something. Yeah, you got to spread it around. Just do your typical basketball thing, and if opportunities come for them, they will shine and do their thing, hopefully. Uh, so definitely looking, uh, you know, to pull off this upset per se, even though we're hoping this season that we can be good enough to beat teams like this. And it's definitely a test, and I mentioned a neutral floor. I think it would help, and we know could be some more. We know everybody, like Peg Banks is going, like some parents, but I'm interesting to see who has who's going for Colorado. That is a huge trip from Colorado. Uh, so maybe they'll have people there in general. So definitely be interesting. Looking forward to that first game and we had our picks there, so we'll see how that works out. Noah now obviously for the second uh game potentially who we would face, either Duquesne or Northeastern. Like I said, we don't know anything for them, so we'll just preview them a
1: little bit. Yeah, to look into both teams, uh very solid programs. We know um Northeastern at the Colonial—that's a really good, decent conference. They usually are in the tournament, but uh, they were nabbed. I believe they were picked second in the Colonial this year, um, right behind Delaware. We know we saw Delaware a couple, uh, two years ago. So uh, that's a team to watch out for. Northeastern's very solid program, um, but yeah, they got some guys you got to watch out for. I know they have. Um, Jameel Telford, he's a six, he's a six foot seven guard, um, really athletic wing. You got to watch out for a really good player. Um, so uh, you got to watch out for teams like this. They started out one and two um, with losses to, at Colgate and at Georgia State, but they beat uh, Boston University. Really, um, usually a really strong program in Boston U. But yeah, they Chris Doherty, he's their he's their lead leading scorer right now, six seven junior averaging about 15 a game. Then, uh, like I said, Jamil Telford, he was picked second team preseason. So, uh, yeah, if you get a team like that, um, they're tough to watch out for. Yeah, Doherty's
0: 240 pounds, being that 6'7", I'm sure he can shoot. He shoots 63% from the field. So, yeah, they every team's got talent. they got some pretty spread scoring throughout their – I wonder how their size is otherwise. But, uh, yeah, him and you mentioned Telford, uh, they're good for sure. That'll, that'll be a tough test. And they're about – them and Duquesne will get to Duquesne in a second. 55.5% uh, predicted to win Northeastern North over Duquesne. So what about Duquesne?
1: Yeah, Duquesne, they were picked 11th in the Atlantic 10. We just talked about the Atlantic 10. Told you what kind of programs they got. Started out rough this year. Um, they beat Ryder, started out 1-0, but they lost to Hofstra by 10 in Weaver State. Uh, we know Weaver State produced Damian Lillard, so guys like that. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, – a Really interesting team. We do know one player, Trey Williams, transferred from Indiana State. Um, he's averaging uh, about ten points and about seven rebounds. Uh, their leading scorer is Kevin Easley Jr. He's a sophomore guard, another big wing, six seven. Um, so uh, averaging thirteen and six this year. Guys like Jackie Johnson III, Amir Spears is really good. So really, really good program. We thought we might play him last year, that got canceled. That. Or that didn't get canceled, didn't even get scheduled. So interesting to see. So yeah, that's an interesting to match up. We'll tune in that. Well, that's around five o'clock tomorrow. So um, yeah, it's uh we'll be tuned in like Brian said in his uh, it's a it's a quick scout. You don't get much time to prepare for the next day, or uh or if you win you play on Sunday, is that what we said? Then if you lose you play on Saturday. Correct. then you get Sunday off if you lose and move on from there. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, if
0: you win, you play on Sunday lose. Yeah, yeah, 6.45. Yeah, we were going to get to that. Definitely how that plays out. You're right. And tra- seeing Trey Williams there, six-seven-two-fifty. just remembering uh, the ability that he has, he will be at throw averages, 10 and 7. Yeah, so uh, they will be quality. So then yeah, if, if it plays out like, let's say we win and one of these teams win, and then we win, no, we get the winner or there's Brown and Creighton. Let's jump into those first.
1: Yeah, uh, start with the familiar face and Creighton picked eighth, or yeah, picked eighth in the Big East. Um, we know they've had their issues, and we know McDermott's no longer there. Um, so I forgot about that. Yeah. He is no longer there, so that's interesting to watch out for. We know um, it'd be interesting to see how we match up against them. We know they were our big rival back in the day, but out in the Big East, so. Uh, Interesting to watch out for. Not sure if they'll get there. Um, I did watch Brown. Brown is picked, I believe, uh, third. No, they're picked fifth in the Ivy League, but I did watch them. They were pretty good. They played North Carolina, and uh, they, led, they led most of the first half, or they led at halftime against North Carolina. Really took the fight to them. have some really strong players, so that's interesting to match up in the first round, but um, we know Big East players come to play out of the – out of the out of the Big East, so Creighton's a really tough matchup for them in the first round.
0: Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned they were eighth. Uh, thinking of the Big East overall, yeah, they have taken a step back it seems, but they've lost some players. They have a player that we saw play at high school, big old boy. What was his What's his name? Ryan Cockbrenner. Ryan Cockbrenner. and he's I'm sure he's in, like entrenched in their team still. And yeah, you mentioned McDermott out there. Their whole new team, yeah, three and zero. And you mentioned Brown just playing UNC. Uh, Creighton is a 12.5-point favorite in that game. As you mentioned, Duquesne is a one-point favorite over Northeastern, or I think Northeastern is actually, vice versa. O- all these over-unders are about the same, it appears, maybe. And, uh, so, yeah, that, that is a tough matchup for Brown.
1: Uh, Creighton is down, but they're still who they are, yeah. Yeah, they, they've struggled, and we know uh, uh, Alex O'Connell, former Duke player, former uh, was, that, was going to Memphis for a little bit, but... Yeah. Uh, um, Ryan Nimhard's the player to watch. He's averaging six team a game. So um I know I think he's only a freshman. So I know I think uh um John Rothstein tweeted the other day by stock in that guy. So watch out for him in this tournament. Okay.
0: Um and then we know,
1: yeah, Bradley's in this
0: gets Colorado State.
1: Yeah, Bradley's in this, they get Colorado State, Colorado State's picked them picked to win the Mountain West over teams like San Diego State. And Nevada and Boise State, Utah State. The guy the teams we know that's always been in the tournament out of the Mountain West. Um, familiar face, Nico Medved is their coach. He spent time coaching Drake and uh that's an interesting matchup. Uh we will uh we know we play Bradley and we know what they're all about. They've struggled this year, but they're getting some healthy guys back. So uh yeah, it's interesting to see. That's an interesting interesting matchup right out of the gate, but I think Colorado State's too much to handle for Bradley. Um, we know Wardle does a really good job, but um, guys like David Roddy, Isaiah Stevens are really really good guys. They got uh, And John Tanya, Colorado State has three guys averaging over 15 a game.
0: Yeah, and
1: we said that they were projected a, pl- uh, a tournament
0: team this year. They were in the NIT last year. Memphis beat them. So they are quality. Yeah, they score a lot of points. For sure, 3-0. Yeah, they played. They put 109 points up against Oral Roberts, who was a tournament team from last year. Exactly. We know they lost the guy, but they still got Abmas, who had 20 in that game. So, uh, yeah, being in the Mountain West, team, Mountain West is a really, really quality conference. Yeah, you mentioned the teams that we've seen in the tournament forever. San Diego State sticks out. We know Nevada, because Jordan Caroline, former Saluki his freshman year, uh, went there and had success. Loyal Act beat them in the final four run. So a lot of... Uh, things there but yeah a good conference they will be near the top or at the top of that this year so overall this tournament is pretty quality uh we mentioned our non-con not being so when we hit a tournament like this having colorado colorado straight and and even a team like crate no matter who they are uh definitely definitely good you mentioned brown being a quality team too so this is a quality tournament especially if we if we're able to get by colorado like we said it's, it's a tough draw um but if we can get past them and then it looks good, you know, we like our matchups against Duquesne and Northeastern potentially. Like we said, if we win, we play on Sunday at 9 o'clock. If we lose, we play on Saturday at 645. And then the semifinal or the championship is on Monday at 9 o'clock. Right? Yeah, it's Monday, right? No, no. Sunday. Monday. Monday, yeah. God, I can't even. I got to zoom in. I can't see these dates. We yeah, have the winner plays on Monday at 9, so that's when we say we'll give our recap on Tuesday. After, that'll be a, a really, really late game that night. Uh, but that's for them, right? So what's the time thing there? It'll be 9 for the game tomorrow, so it'll be 7 for us, right?
1: Yeah, it's a two-hour. there. are the Atlantic, uh, Atlantic, whatever they call it down there, Atlantic time zone. So 9 o'clock there, 7 our time. So, uh, yeah, not bad at all.
0: Yeah, they do have that consolation side, so we'll be sticking with those games if we do lose. Seeing how this comes up, so yeah. And it's brought it brought or ESPN is the main thing of this. We mentioned the games on ESPN three, or who knows, the championship might be on big ESPN or ESPN two. I'm not sure on that exactly, but we know our game tomorrow is on ESPN three. We will be glued. Uh, cannot wait for that. Colorado is definitely an opponent. That if you if you want a resume builder, this tournament is something for you. So we're definitely looking forward to that. Seven o'clock. Feel free to obviously follow our tweets throughout. Uh, and then like we said we'll cover this on Tuesday. Uh, cannot wait. Uh, so Noah, final thoughts?
1: Yeah, if I were to guess, I'd say it's going to be a um, Colorado field championship game. If I were to guess. So uh, yeah, it's final thoughts would be yeah, it's big time big time game for us. We know it's a business trip. Players have said they're enjoying themselves a little bit today. But we know we got a big game tomorrow and it's it's time to show what we're made of. And uh yeah, it's we're gonna be battle tested throughout this tournament. So gets us ready for our rest of our non con, which we know it's not very strong, but we got some decent games on there. But it really gets us for ready for valley play and see how um how deep we can maybe finish in the valley in the top three maybe, if we can do very well in this tournament. So yeah, it's a big time Big time thing. You need your stars to shine, but it shows. Uh, it's going to show how how strong our bench is.
0: Exactly how how deep we are, how and how well we can just do the the correct things within a basketball game. Uh, yeah, and I think we we mentioned them enjoying themselves, and I think they should be zoned in. Not saying Northeastern and Duquesne you shouldn't be, but Colorado's that team. That if you get through them, you like your chances moving forward. Colorado, I think they've honed in on big time, and know what they have to do. Yeah, because. We know they will bring it at a really, really high level. Uh, so yeah, we mentioned we set our dogs and just just playing clean basketball. We know we haven't really seen that, like we said. So especially against size and going back to the Little Rock game and the start of the Austin P game first half. Uh, so it's about playing 40 minutes of consistent basketball and that's easier said than done. But if you want to win and you want to beat teams like this, it has to be done. So we're really looking forward to this game and this tournament. Like we said, we won't cover it until Tuesday, but we will tweet Game day tweet and everything, play-by-play uh, of play the game throughout everything. So, yeah, quality tournament. Cannot wait to see how we do in this regardless. Yeah, so,
1: I'm, I'm tuned in to the coaching staff because uh, first two games, we've yet to see adjustments made by the staff. So I'm really excited to see if they do anything in the tournament. Um, we've, we've yet to manage – I forgot to mention this before we did our final thoughts, but um, starting lineup, I'd like to see Anthony or J.D. slid in there or even Cash to make our lineup bigger because they're starting three guys over 6'7". So um, if you're starting what we've been starting recently, you're getting out-rebounded by 20 like they have been every other team.
0: I agree. When we mentioned Dalton. It would be nice to see him off the bench. Uh, I think Cash will slide in, in the starting five. You mentioned J.D. J.D. and Kyler together, I'm not sure, but definitely Anthony, hopefully his ankle is good. He, he must play a big factor in this game. If you play like a stretch four like he is, could be along with a Kyle and have a JD off the bench. Uh it's just how important.
1: If you those slide Those guys will be. Yeah, if you slide cash in at the 2 for Dalton and you start Anthony at the 4, that means you're leaving out you're leaving well, out Stephen, but Stephen Stephen can give you an extra burst off the bench, but yeah, that helps your rebounding out. It's to really be interesting to see what we do tomorrow night. Yeah, I know, and actually
0: I forgot about Stephen. I forgot about the five people for getting Lance and Marcus. So if we start Anthony I'd rather keep Steven in there and have cash off the bench like he has been. So, I'm not sure if they will start big, but I hopefully they do. Because if they don't, yeah, it could be a rough start. And who knows how the rest of the game could play out. So, yeah, we're definitely really excited. We'll be watching for sure. to like, so keep up with our tweets. Follow us on Instagram, Dogs Podcast. We will post nonstop on there like we have been for both sports. Uh, so, yeah, Paradise Jam. Can't wait for it. So, Fortnite Malone. No alerts. We will see you guys on Tuesday previewing this hopeful, quality, and consistently good tournament. We'll see you then.